0: Hello and welcome to the podcast of Tech EU. I am your host Andrew Degler. Today, I would like to play you an interview with Michael Nidam, the co-founder and managing partner of the venture builder Kamet Ventures. Kamet Ventures was founded in 2015 by the VC firm Axel. It is now based in London, Paris, and in Tel Aviv. And in the six years of its existence, Kamet has launched some 20 startups, most of which are actually still around. In this conversation, I tried to get a better understanding of how a venture builder actually works, how much equity it takes in startups that it launches, what the competitive landscape is like for startups startup studios and venture builders across Europe, and, of course, much more, starting from the main metrics that Kemet applies to itself. What sort of metrics uh, do you apply to yourself? So uh, how do you measure what's happened within these six years if you have to uh, put some numbers to it?
1: Listen, it's very difficult what you're asking me, you know, metrics. In reality, we are entrepreneurs at Kemet. We are a startup that creates startup. We are very different from a VC, a fund, etc. And so I would say uh, you have a few metrics that you could apply to our business. One is uh, how many companies did we really re- succeed in creating, okay, and, and and in launching to the market. That's one metric we look at, even though we don't have, I would say, a target or an objective on this metric. Okay, the, the second is uh, how many of those Actually manage to successfully raise the next round. That's clearly a metric we look at because the measure of our success is not only to put things on the market, you know, is to put successful uh, companies to life. And, and, and this one is uh, one we're looking at very, very carefully. It takes time to build such a, an experience because from the moment we create the company to the moment it raises, it can take anything between one and a half to three years. Well, our s- success rate on this metric has been uh, very good. I mean, to our standards, we we are above 80 percent. And on the first metric, you know, we created approximately four to five companies every year. So it's you know we didn't have a target, but still we see that that's the natural throughput of our setup. But it's also vary quite a lot depending on the quality of the people we we find to you know to join forces with us because we really partner with entrepreneurs and we don't create companies that we control. We create startups that you know have a real team of executive founders that start in residence with us. And then uh, another metric for us is uh, how many of these executive teams consider themselves as the real founders having originated the ideas and the the highest the percentage, the biggest our success. And here also, we are doing pretty good, I would say it's close to 100% of them, I would say. Today, would say they, they came up with the idea, even though the reality is probably not exactly that we, you know, we worked hand <laughs> in hand very often. We had a, we, we had the idea already in our long list of uh, topics to be explored much before the giant, et cetera. But I think that's a a very good way to demonstrate how much uh, partnership it is and how much, uh, you know, e- e- if they don't really buy into it, then we, you know, we don't force nobody into something. It's really a partnership approach. It's a very entrepreneurial friendly approach that we have here. And I would say the last one is still, you know, return. And this we are too early to say. We we have good feeling. Uh, some of the operations we're doing now are uh, comforting those feelings, but you know, we, we are only five years old. We start very, very early stage. We had only one exit, a very good one, but it's not enough to to qualify the whole return of the, of the investment yet. Right.
0: So uh, just to uh, have this top line number, how many companies have you actually created over this time? So we have 20
1: companies active as we speak, and probably we have uh, created uh, 23, if I'm not missing any. So, you know, three of of them, uh, you know, had to close close shop. And we are still very sad about that. But, you know, this is something that happened.
0: Is it something connected to the pandemic or did it happen before? One is connected to the pandemic. uh,
1: And one uh, happened during the pandemic, but uh, I wouldn't think it was really connected to the pandemic. Well, you never know, maybe on a different context, they would have done something different. But uh, I said that the fundamentals were not linked to the pandemic and the last one uh, was much before.
0: Right, right. Okay. Hey, venture builder. How does, it, uh, how does it work? Because it seems to me like from what I, what I read, venture builder is something that different people call different things. Uh, uh, this, uh, this combination of words. So what is it for you? How does, how does it work? You know, this is a century of semantic. Every time you
1: use a word, people want to steal it from you. (laughs) And then you have a venture builder, you have to differentiate it from startup studio, startup studio, from incubator, incubators. So there is like a fight. You know, it's difficult for me to say what really a venture builder is because I think there is no definition in the dictionary. So I can't refer to it. No, but, you know, the the way I look at it is you have a lot of models here on innovation. You know, some people say that the, the golden model is a, is the inventors and entrepreneurs that work in his garage. You know, we heard a lot. When I was young, everybody was thinking of garages as if you needed a garage to have a startup. I was living in a tiny apartment in Paris and I cried that
0: I didn't have a garage, you know. <laughs> so. yeah the french reality may be a bit different (laughs) (laughs) yes
1: i was looking at all those guys with empty garages you know you need to have a garage and no car to build a company (laughs) so no no i think that the, the way i look at it is either you know you go on your own and you try and a lot of inexperienced people try this way, mm-hmm. very, very few succeed this way. Some do, but most don't. Okay. Then you have a few very experienced people who say that they tried this way on their own. Yes, but they tried on their own with the support they had built over time, with the money that they have, with the ability to feed their family without a salary, etc., cetera, etc. Et which means the number of people who can do that is a handful. It's not a, a majority on top of having, I would say the, the gene, because mm-hmm. there is a gene for entrepreneurship. You also need to have the condition to be successful. I think a venture builder is something that's, um, the common ground of all of them, venture builder, startup studio is trying to, to give, you know, what it takes to people who don't have exactly what it takes, either the experience and, and, and that needs some coaching or, you know, the, the financial stability that need a, a minimal safety net, or I would say the connections and that need to be introduced and supported in establishing those first steps as, um, as company builder. Okay, and I think all of us with names that are exotics, we share, I would say, this, this basis. W- what we do at Kemet that's, that goes further is that w- we actually are the entrepreneurs of the early days of the, com- of most of the companies we build. It's, I wouldn't say all of them, but most of the company we build. The idea was born in Kemet. The MVP was designed in Kemet. The, the first, uh, I would say clients, partners, uh, testers, etc., were identified and contracted with Kemet. And it's only once we have those elements in place that we'll actually create a company and try to make it as independent as possible from Kemet. Okay. Okay. So we we are actually the entrepreneurs of the very early days. We do the zero, not the zero to 100, but the zero to 10 we try to do in-house. In some cases, you know, we're working on an idea and we find a team that's ahead of us and that's interested from, you know, to get our support. And then we're happy to, to only provide you know the, the later stage of what we do but out of the 23 companies it's probably three four companies that are in this case and uh, and the rest we was more in the first uh, model that i described so you see we, we are i would say a bit more
0: entrepreneur than
1: we are investors
0: mm-hmm. so you make a start and then uh you find an entrepreneur a entrepreneur entrepreneurial team who would take it over from you
1: yes in theory but in practice sometimes we find the entrepreneur before or in parallel sometimes we work with a couple of entrepreneurs and only one of them remain on this idea and another one go to do something else so we are we are a marketplace where we develop ideas we we partner with entrepreneurs and we try to make things happen okay <laughs> and what we look for as entrepreneurs is people with a very strong execution capabilities that have a true team spirit with whom we can work and get feedback and give feedback and and for, for us that's really we you know we're not looking for the genius we have, which has the best idea. We have tons of ideas and we believe ideas are very important, but uh, quality execution is uh, even more important because with an okay idea and excellent execution, you're likely to, to come in a very good business. With the best of the ideas and a lousy execution, you're likely to have nothing.
0: Yeah, I understand, absolutely. Uh, so where do you actually find those entrepreneurs?
1: So listen, we can say that there is a, a recipe for finding entrepreneurs. I don't have one. <laughs> okay. We would have scaled much more if we had one. The, the limiting factor in uh, what we do is clearly this one of uh, getting the right people at the right place. It's, I think we have a relatively uh, scientific uh, and structured approach to identifying ideas, validating ideas, designing projects. But when it comes to building teams, it's much more an art than a science okay and uh, when you look at our companies so far a lot of the teams were initially originated from our network you know the three of us have a, quite a substantial network in the in the innovation ecosystem we we were entrepreneurs we we are business angels so we have a foot uh, uh, at least in France and in Israel uh, quite uh, well established in the um, in in the innovation world and so uh, naturally we could uh, identify some uh, some uh, I would say uh, very bright and talented people in our uh, network. Well, you know, we found ourselves lucky enough to have a, and and then pro- we had a lot of uh, the other one coming from the network of those guys. So you know, uh, it's um, a friend bring a friend kind of logic because uh, some of them were happy about their experience at Kemet and uh, and so attracted some of their friends or people that they trusted could could be good entrepreneurs too into our ecosystem. And in some cases, I would say. Uh, we use the traditional ways of, uh, you know, uh, looking for a specific person for a specific task using, uh, agencies, but I would say this is probably the, the, the minority source of people that we, that we use.
0: Right. And in terms of, in terms of equity, is it, uh, uh, do you have one sort of template, uh, something, uh, a shared like the same share that you always leave to yourself or does it happen differently with different companies?
1: So listen we have a template we have a template I wouldn't say that we don't we have a template because otherwise our last KPI will never uh, be successful <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but we recognize the differences of the um, different companies as the setup uh, situation uh, contribution that we do that we will do etcetera etcetera and also the strengths of the team when we, when we incorporate. So I would say we have a, we have a, a template, but we are flexible around this template to make things happen. We know that uh, in the, at the core, you know, we are deal makers and entrepreneurs. So we, we like things to happen. So, but still, I would say the model is a model in which we have, uh, we are funders. So we get equity from the get go. Uh, we also are investors. So we continue to get equity until uh, at least uh, a round we usually participate in our companies. And so the, our model is, uh, yeah, naturally there, there are some templates. And then it very much depends also uh, whether we develop the IP, IP in-house, whether it was developed before the team joined, whether uh, we partner with, uh, you know, academia to get some uh, elements of this IP and how do we find a deal with those uh, people. How involved are our, our, I would say, uh, clinical partners when we do health tech, et cetera, et cetera. So, but I say, I believe we have, uh, compared to the other, uh, studios or builders, or I think we have a very uh, executive funder friendly model. Okay. Where, uh, in the end, uh, when they reach an A round, they usually, uh, uh, own what they would have owned more or less, uh, if they build the company without us.
0: So is there a number uh, that you sort of uh, try to uh, keep for yourself? So like, let's say, uh, do you say that, okay, by the Series A, we should be owning this and that share, at least? Is there a number like this?
1: No, there is not. There is more a a number of uh, how much we want the executive founder to own so that they they are substantially invested and uh, incentivized. And then what we get, uh, we don't have this kind of number. It depends very much on our contribution, cash, uh, sweat, uh, on how much, you know, we involve partners of ours in the, in the deal flow, et cetera, et cetera. But we have a number yet yeah, that we want, we want uh, the founders to, to have when they, when they reach around.
0: Right. So I really want Absolutely. to get from you this like ballpark amount. So if, if an entrepreneur thinks about uh, something like uh, joining Come Ventures, let's say, uh, what should they expect? What can they expect?
1: But listen, I I will not give you a number. (laughs) Uh, I will not give you a number because those are confidential information that we have. But what I can tell you is that on the market, I don't think you can raise an A round if if the funding team altogether doesn't own own, uh, in the range of uh, 35 to 55% of their company. Uh, If they have less than that, I think it's extremely challenging to have good investors participating in the round. And if they build a startup with Kemet, they will have more than that. Uh, they will be in this range or above. That's what I can tell you. Our objective is to create companies that are going to be investable, and to ha- to have funders that are going to be uh, committed to the company in the long run. And so we we don't want, uh, you know, the models where funders have three percent is not the model we are after. We are, we are more the, the model where funders and key people in the company will have two digits uh, equity.
0: Right No, that's good enough. And uh, just to make it uh, crystal clear, so when someone, uh, when an entrepreneur joins as the founder, let's say, of this new company, uh, do you offer them salary or anything else other than equity? How does it work? So
1: the, the answer is actually yes. Uh, we offer them a salary, but not we. I mean, the, the, the company they join typically pay them because they join the company a bit later. When, when they join Kamet as uh, entrepreneur en résidence, meaning before joining the company, we also offer them a salary. But let's be honest, it's not a high salary. It's a minimal salary to, you know, as I said, to create this kind of a safety net. The the heart of the model is to have entrepreneurs that will uh, get equity in their companies and that will uh, hopefully become rich if their company succeeds, but will not become rich out of the salary
0: they make. Right. Right. And you mentioned before that uh, you uh, start uh, these companies uh, in-house and do this uh, very early stage sort of setup. Are you personally uh, still involved in that part as well?
1: Yes, yes, I'm personally I am guilty of most of the model that we <laughs> launch. I wouldn't say that I do it alone not at all. We we are a, a team, uh, the factory is a, is is a team of uh, very very capable people. Uh, but yes, I'm still involved in uh, you know, selecting the ideas, designing the models, uh, building the team around it, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. That's, uh,
0: that's most of my job. Yeah. And how big is the team now at KAMET itself? So KAMET
1: altogether is, a, is around 30-35 people, with a half being very operational uh, people, uh, you know, uh, designers, business developers, and, and techs. Even though the techs, we have a tendency to have them more outsourced than in-house. And uh, just because you know we we do stuff that can be very different, and uh, and we prefer to adapt very well the skill set of the of those people to the to the type of projects that we that we develop. And then we have also a, a team of uh, a legal team, uh, fin- you know, finance team that's quite uh, solid that both support the company as in in the regulatory framework on top of supporting us in establishing the the relationship that we need with investors and uh, and startups and uh, supports the company also in building their business plan, business case, fundraise, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a quite extensive team. Then we have also a, a quite a, an extensive network of what we call uh, affiliates or partners, institutions and individuals that uh, contribute to our idea generation, uh, participate in some of the boards of our companies, uh, coach some of our entrepreneurs, offer opportunities to do clinical trials, uh, POCs, et etc. et cetera.
0: Right and do your companies at early stages at least do they share some sort of back office?
1: No, no, no. We don't believe in that. Oh, you, you, you don't know. do that. No, we, I, it's not only that we don't do that. that, we we don't believe in that. You know, we don't be, we don't do it because we don't believe in it. We don't believe that. Uh, you know, it depends from what angle you look at. If your objective in life is to optimize everything, you know, you want to have shared back offices. You say, I want uh, to reduce the cost of the next payment module that I'm going to put in the market. So I have one that I force every company into, etc., cetera, et cetera. But it's not what we believe. You know, we believe that the companies thrive because people are in love with what they do. Okay. And 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 that if you want to succeed, you need to be committed. You want, you need to to feel at home. You need to feel that you fight for what, you know, what's yours. And, and so every time you tell the, the guys, yeah, use that. And this is mandatory and you have to do this and, You just remove this feeling of freedom that you need for people to to be okay to take risk. You know, you you you're taking risk because you want to improve your life and you and you want to be free. That's why you take risk fundamentally. And so if you say say no, no, maybe you will improve your life and maybe you will be free, but later, then (laughs) why take (laughs) risks? Honestly, you know. So so no, it's we don't believe in that. We. Okay, we believe it's very important that there is a team that's dedicated, that believe in what they do, that control what they do end-to-end, and specifically in the early stage of a company.
0: Right. And uh, another question about Komet itself. Uh, so you say that you focus on the industries of insure tech, health tech, and mobility. So why uh, why did you choose these uh, three out of the
1: but originally, it's because of our LP, of our investor, of uh, of AXA, who was interested in these three fields. Then we we learned to know the fields, okay. And and, and today I say mobility is probably a bit uh, remote for us. Health tech is uh, much more central than it was, and uh, insure tech remains, I would say, a second uh, reasonable pillar, okay. And the reason is also because we discovered that our innovation model is very, very adapted to those uh, health tech and insure tech, uh, the characteristics of health tech and insure tech. So let me explain what I mean. If you want to create a, a SaaS startup, maybe you can find great people who know how to build a SaaS startup and make you some sometimes. But what is for sure is that if you have a reasonable idea and a good uh, V0 MVP, there is today tons of people on the market that know how to finance you, that know how to evaluate you, and that can support you. Okay? Tons an infinity. I mean, I don't want to say an infinity. It's, I'm exaggerating, but most VCs we we cross the path. They know how to invest a SAS model. Okay, they know how to look at it. They know what metric to look. They know how to believe in it. They know what they expect, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So if you ask them even before you start, you know what you're supposed to do. Okay. Now, if you go on health, if you go on, um, I will take the exact opposite. If you if you go on uh, developing a new drug. There is also tons of people that will finance you. They won't ask you at all for the metrics. They will ask you for clinical trial, FDA approval, FCA, blah, blah, blah. But they will be willing to bet a lot of money if you're onto something that's, you know, that can work. And you, and you know, you need no commercialization. On the one hand, you need only commercialization. You don't need a super disruptive software. And on the other hand, you need a super disruptive technology, no commercialization and a lot of validation from, uh, and, and you can find people that explains this way to you because those routes, they exist. When you go to health tech, it's not so much the case. Because health tech, it is not uh, SaaS. You know, don't tell me it is. I've heard tons of investors trying to explain to me that it would be better if it was. Yes, maybe for them, but the reality, it's not. If you want to succeed in health tech, okay, you need the software, you need the clinical practice, you need the FDA approval, you know, you need the medical innovation, you need all of it. And so it's, it's not as challenging to build a medical innovation as it is on med tech but it's quite challenging. It's as challenging even more than on SaaS to do the distribution. And so today you need more money than if you do a SaaS. The the market is very often much bigger, but it's much slower to penetrate. And today, how many investors do you have that are willing to take this risk? Very few. So if you're an entrepreneur and you want to do that, if you don't have the connection with HMO, the understanding of the field, the understanding of the medical infrastructure behind it, I mean, you're totally blocked to, to launch your innovations. And, and I feel that with something like Kamet, where we already have some connection with HMOs, with payers, where we already have clinical experts that work with us day in, day out, where we already have experience in bringing those companies to market, experience in raising money for those companies. Cause I think today on the early stage on the health tech, we probably have one of the better performing portfolios so far. And so i think it's a it's a huge advantage for entrepreneurs who wants to, to you know to to innovate in this field to come with us to us because what we bring to them in terms of value is far beyond money far beyond experience it's i think it's really a, a table stake to to be successful in uh in digital health okay and and in intertech it's a little bit the same you know the level of complexity on the on the regulatory side is much higher than if you're doing uh you know retail or uh Taxi uh, order company or delivery, okay, it's much you know much more uh, complicated. The, the areas of opportunities are more difficult to identify, and similarly, we have a very good knowledge of the field and we support entrepreneurs in, a, in that. I think in a pretty unique way. Uh, as far mobility, I, I believe it's not it's not so much okay. So opportunistically, we will still uh, you know look at it, but um, right.
0: And uh, and as a venture builder, uh, whom are you actually competing with in Europe? Competing,
1: uh, I'm not sure we are competing. I, you know, what is competition? You know, a competition. If I, we, we are in Roland Garros now today. So you see, you have tennis players that play the same game with the same ball on the same court. Okay. And so <laughs> you can say they compete. Um, us, I'm not sure we are competing with any, you can say VCs, they compete because there is that many startups and the one who wants to invest in the same uh, industry field, they compete on, uh, uh, on finding the startups even though they can partner you know if they like it they give a phone call to each other they say let's do 50-50 usually you know it's a mild competition huh? but we we don't compete because the ideas we built internally so for every single startup we compete with the others that are in the same field in our market we don't compete with investors we look for investing partners we don't compete with HMOs we look for HMO partners no, I think we, we view our competition more on a granular basis, you know, uh, field by field, company by company, idea by idea. And there we compete with tons of people for every single startup we launch. Uh, you know, for example, we launched, uh, you probably heard of a few of them, but if I, if I quote a few of them, we have a, a company that's uh, recently uh, made, made a nice raise called IBEX, working on the digital pathology field. And this one, they compete with other digital pathology companies with liquid biopsy. To a certain extent, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And when we designed the company together with Yossi and uh, and Chaim, uh, we took into consideration this competition. But our competition, I'm not sure uh, how to qualify. it. But we have uh, other like us that we we respect and we look up to, and uh, and that we try to learn from. You know, there is um, if I if I quote a, f- a few example, there is on a very different field than us. In the U.S., this company that that launched Moderna, flagship pioneering that we admire very much, and uh, we look at the way they, they, you know, they manage the, you know, the transitioning from in to out uh, very carefully, and uh, we think it's it's a huge success. There is another uh, uh, venture builder in the U.K. that we we look up to, uh, Blaine Amshalcott, which we which we think created a, a super portfolio, and and their ability to stick with the company so long is really something we we admire. Uh, and to continue to bring value, there is uh, in France another one that we find great, which is Ifonder, uh, which and I th- I would say those they I, they are not competitors of ours in, in no manner, but they they are uh, operating in a similar way than we do I, I think and and yes and we consider them uh, excellent uh, excellent platforms.
0: OK, let's think about it uh, from a different angle so, uh, of the competition. So you, uh, for you, it's very important uh, to uh, get those entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial teams uh, to work on the startups. If they don't come to you, where, where else could they go? So what or whom are you competing with uh, when we look at uh, these uh, entrepreneurs and the teams? But we compete with a lot and we compete
1: with existing startups that attract teams. Okay, we compete with uh, more advanced startups, you know, that offer management package to uh, late late founders or uh, CEOs or uh, C-level executives. We compete with PE companies that also look for this kind of entrepreneurial talents, but for more, you know, later stage execution. We compete with uh, starting your business on your own. We compete with, um, ultimately, you know, those few companies that I mentioned, but it's probably the bottom of the list because if founder is going to create, I don't know how many, but no more than than we do, you know, two to four to five companies a year. So before we compete on the same individual, uh, will not happen very often. It's the same for and shelcott uh, Flagship pioneering is operating in a totally different field, so we, we're not competing for the same people. So I would say we compete much more with models not like ours and attracting the people than we do with models like ours.
0: And how are you better? So what's your USP? Versus model like... uh, Versus versus these other models that you're competing with,
1: basically. I think uh, we are different. So the the risk-reward is slightly different, okay? Because uh, there is a little bit less risk uh, and also a reward on the the first step that's a little bit less when you come to us in the beginning than if you do it on your own, okay? I think... uh, We are also better and and then the the other the elements that i think are massively better is that uh, we provide from the get-go a team of super qualified individuals to bounce ideas to work with to you know so that you're not you know the way i look at it is to be an entrepreneur you need to be a little bit crazy okay to have a lot of energy which doesn't resonate very well with uh, living alone on your island okay (laughs) People usually a little bit crazy with a lot of energy. They're outgoing. They like to exchange. They like to work with others. They like to engage. Okay. Now, the reality to be an entrepreneur on your own in your garage or in your small Paris apartment, you know, you need to be the three. You need to be a little bit crazy, have a lot of energy and be totally, uh, you know, on your own all the time. When you join a, uh, some, you know, a platform like Kamet, you are not on your own from the get go. You work with brilliant people that challenge you, that pushes you that invest in you that trust you that work with you okay and that bring to you a lot of those elements that you don't have to start with that accelerate you so i think that's a massive advantage if i you know i was an entrepreneur on my own you know i created a, a few companies on my own with uh, partners with people from school with my brother etc cetera, etc cetera. if i had to do it all again and this option was on the table and i was aware of it i would have uh, i think i would do it
0: right And when we look at the uh, landscape of uh, venture builders right now, venture studios, uh, everything like this. So there are uh, ones like uh, Kemet, so uh, privately funded, let's say. So you just basically add a studio in and of itself. And there are corporate ones. What do you think are the main differences here?
1: Kemet was funded by AXA. So it was initially a corporate one today. AXA is still vested in Kemet, but uh, we have done an MBO on the company. So it's, it's a private one. So I don't know how you want to qualify it. Uh, for me, there is no, there, there is no uh, good or bad in this, you know, being a corporate and not corporate. I think what the big difference that I observe is in between the one that want to launch companies and the one that want to launch services or products. And I think this is a huge difference, a huge difference. You have a lot of studios that build products. And they sell those products, or they promote those products internally if they are uh, corporate-owned. And you have a few that create companies, startups. That's a huge difference in terms of career track for the people who join one or the other. Now, I don't want to say whether the one that creates startups, if they're corporate, they are less good or not less good, etc. You know, I don't think there is a rule of thumb for that. But very clearly, uh, uh, if you ask me, the, the one I don't feel that I compete or that I compare are the one who build products. Building a product is something, you know, you can scale it. It's very easy to scale because there is a method, there is an approach and you, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's replicable. You have tons of people who know how to do it, et cetera, et, cetera, et cetera. Building a company is something different. You need the product, you need the idea and the product, but you need more than that, the team, the management, day in, day out, the the the, the, ca- the management of the cash. Defining the trajectory and the milestones to growth, the incentive of the people, the alchemy. And this, you know, is very much, much more difficult to pull together than building a a product.
0: Absolutely. So how many ideas do you have, let's say brewing uh, within uh uh, right now? So
1: every year we we review in the range of uh, 75 to 125 ideas. So it's a very big number. So it can look intimidating. (laughs) Okay. But uh, brewing, I would say, at the next step, typically we always have anywhere between uh, 4 and 10. And as we speak, we probably have six that we are uh, looking at quite carefully. I don't know how many of those we launch. Uh, maybe none. Maybe all of them. But, uh, yeah, there's probably six. And uh, all of them so far are in the health tech uh, space. We are looking at, you know, we are looking at uh, ideas around prevention and health check. We are looking at uh, ideas around femme and uh, male health. We are looking at ideas around uh, diagnostic and uh, and screening. Those are the main areas.
0: Great, sounds absolutely great. Now, Michael, thanks a lot uh, for joining, and uh, good luck with all the ideas that uh, you've got uh, brewing inside Comet. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And this is it for our today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this show, follow us today wherever you listen to your podcasts and if that place has a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. Our audio was engineered for this podcast by SoundPulse. That's sound-pulse.com. Your questions, suggestions and opinions are always very welcome. Do send them by email to podcast at tech.eu. This was TechU Podcast. I am Andre Degler and I will talk to you again very soon. For now, do take Take care and enjoy your week. Bye-bye.